This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. This week on the podcast, I'm chatting to Rebecca Waters from Pup Starts Breeders. So Rebecca is an incredible lady who has worked with dogs for over two decades. She started out working for councils in London and inevitably was picking up stray dogs from the streets. She tried to rehome them and work with organisations such as Battersea to find new homes for stray dogs. But sadly, it also led to some dogs being put to sleep. It set Rebecca off on a mission to make a difference when it comes to animal welfare. She now runs a breeding community where she supports dog breeders and she's also the founder of the UK's first nationally recognised training programme for breeders. Rebecca is not a Corella Deville, but she's had to face a lot of flack over the years, as you can imagine, working in the dog breeder space. She wants to shake up the industry and to bring change so healthy puppies come into the world with healthy mums and they are matched with the right parents and go on to leave happy, fulfilling and harmonious lives with their new families. Rebecca is so passionate and you will hear that in this podcast. She's also got her own National Dog Breeder Convention happening later on this month and National Dog Breeder Day, which is taking place on the 25th of November. I've put all the links to find out more about her work in the show notes. She's a brilliant lady, so I hope you enjoy this episode. And now on to the main part of the show and the chat with Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Rachel. Oh, it's brilliant to have you here. So can you tell us a little bit about you, first of all, and what you do and what Put Starts is all about? Okay, well, I am Rebecca Walters and I'm founder of Pup Starts Breeders. I'm a training provider for the dog breeding community and I wrote and developed the first nationally accredited educational pathway for dog breeders alongside um, iPet Network, who, who were absolutely fantastic, I have to say. They're an awarding body that specialise in the development of qualifications for the dog grooming industry, the pet industry, lots of qualifications. You know, if you, if you can think of a qualification that you would need to, to do with having pets or working with pets or working with pets and people, um, iPet Network are probably offering a qualification for it. So I chose them to work with because I believe that they're passionate about what they do and we we work really hard to get this this first nationally um approved and accredited off-qual regulated qualification available for dog breeders. Fabulous okay so can you tell us about how that all came about and your background as well and how you yeah how you came to create pop starts and to work with breeders who want to do do right by puppies and pup, puppy parents puppy parents yeah definitely okay so my uh, my kind of backstory if you like is I left school and did some work experience at Battersea Dogs Home and then I set up a pet care company at the time I was living in London set up a pet care company and um through various different um <laughs> strange coincidences we ended up being contracted out to run the London Borough of Waltham Forest Animal Warden Service covering a maternity leave which turned into the best part of a two-year arrangement and during that time we licensed pet shops which at the time were selling puppies 
Um, we were licensing boarding establishments, one of which was Goddard's in Chinkford, which was the quarantine kennel. So when dogs flew into Heathrow and they had to go into quarantine, they would go to, to Goddard's. It was a huge um, boarding facility. And um, obviously we dealt with a lot of um, unwanted dogs and cats and various different animals from iguanas to horses. It was a real eye opener. But for me, the dogs were the, were the thing that really stood out. And I, during my time there, was really saddened by this constant um, repetitive cycle of unwanted dogs coming in that were in the wrong homes, the wrong breed for the wrong people, the wrong breed for the environment that they were living in that had behavioural problems, not not usually health issues, to be fair. It was ma- mainly behavioural problems. And so much of that stuff can be solved by a correct breeding practice and correct matching of people and puppies at the very beginning of the process. Um, and, and all I saw was a constant stream of dogs that needed you know, help and, and needed needed somebody to to feed them and look after them because their owners didn't want to, and they were being dumped or handed in, and it was a never ending. It was just what we were doing was a sticking plaster. What we were doing wasn't actually solving the issue. Um, it was it was it was fixing the problem at the back end, and I you know just kind of got round to thinking that we need to really make a difference to the dogs of the future by improving education around the breeding, the raising and the matching of these puppies so that they don't continually end up in rescue. So where you are now, so also just to paint a bit of a picture as well, when you were working at Battersea and working working with the councils and the pet shops and the other organisations, how long ago was that, Rebecca? Oh, oh I don't want to admit that, to be quite honest. <laughs> It was a long time ago. Um, it was over 20 years ago. It's about 25 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So before the internet, really. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Long media before and... the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long before the internet. Yeah. So the world was a really different place back then, Yeah, we were it? just just getting mobile phones. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're, you're all right showing your age with me because I am... I think I'm older than you. I'm pretty sure I'm older than you. So <laughs> you can show, share your age with me. Um, so... That experience, and I know we've talked about it before because we've worked together for, for quite a while now, but I know that that a lot of that experience was particularly distressing. And ultimately, if a dog finds a way to the the, the council pound, the, there's a few directions that can go in, but there's one that's pretty horrible, isn't it? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the, re- the reality of it is, is you know... <sighs> So many of these dogs get put to sleep. I mean, you can dress it up however way, however which way you want. We did our utmost to foster them, home them, um, get them into breed rescues. We used to work quite closely with Battersea and lots of other um, charities, breed rescues, you know, you name it. We tried and tried and tried to home these dogs. But ultimately, they had seven days in, in the kennels. And at the end of those seven days, if nobody had claimed them and we couldn't get them into into an organization that would take them there was nowhere else for them to go and you know I have been the person that's taken the dogs down to the veterinary surgery on the Friday evening and their time had run out and you know you're standing there holding a perfectly healthy dog while it's put to sleep it's just which is why I don't do it anymore because it's just absolutely heartbreaking and you can only do that so many times before you start to either go cold to it which is really worrying or it absolutely cracks you up and you're going home or you're you know you just can't cope with what's coming for the following week and that's where I got to I just didn't want to go back to work um 
because I didn't want to look them in the face, knowing that there was very, very few options for them and there was very little I could actually do about it. And I, you know, that's just soul destroying. Yeah. So what were the kind of, so fast forward to where you are today and the work that you're doing now, like what were the steps that kind of led you to where you are now from from being in that place, which must have been so harrowing and upsetting, realising you wanted to make a difference? How did you go about doing that? So we moved out of London. I had a young family at the time and we moved out of London and we moved to Shropshire. And for the last 20 years, I've been um, I've been breeding uh, poodle crosses, actually, and terriers for a bit. But re- really, really focusing my uh, my skill set and my knowledge on producing dogs that people um are more aligned to living with in in today's modern society you know we have selectively bred dogs for jobs of work for years and years and years and years and years and then and then we've decided that we don't want dogs that work anymore we want dogs that are pets and this is where I see quite a lot of the problems kicking in because people buy a dog they think it's going to be a perfect pet you know they've seen a picture of it on Instagram or Facebook and they they oh it's cute I want it you know nothing more cute than a spaniel puppy or nothing more cute than a than a terrier puppy and actually they're, they're, they're not easy to live with because that ultimately they're a working breed as cute and as adorable as they look they've got inherent behaviors that are, are can be very very difficult to live with so you know what happens then is that the dog that you 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 think you've bought the dog that you you have envisaged you're going to have this this lifestyle with actually it doesn't tick the boxes and we do live unfortunately in a click and collect society that just throw away stuff that doesn't fit in and doesn't work you know we're not very resilient we don't work through stuff anymore we don't dig deep and you know and 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 get stuck in we go oh it's a little bit difficult and it's okay to you know consider it a bit difficult and it's okay to say it's too much for me and walk away we justify you know these behaviors in our in humans um and, and we let the dogs down as we as we do that so i decided that actually what would be more appropriate would be to breed dogs like we selectively bred them for work selectively breed them for pet um and that's what i've been doing so we've got you know lots and lots of happy crossbreed um springer spaniel crossed miniature poodles that we've bred um across the years that go on to lead very fulfilled lives they've been raised properly bred with fully um health tested parents extensively health tested and temperament tested and then placed in the right environments for them and they they flourish um and and I think it's really important that modern day breeders really look at what they're producing and really look at the kind of puppies that they that, that ultimately you know the, well the kind of dogs sorry that the, the puppies that they breed grow into and whether they are actually fit for the homes that they're being sold into because that's how we start to change stuff and 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 the only way that these breeders are going to find out that information is if there's somewhere for them to learn and that is where Pup Starts was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we set ourselves up as training providers to the dog breeding industry we've got social media support groups and we've got a community of very open-minded forward-thinking progressive breeders that want to make a difference to to the dogs that they're producing and um yeah they're really committed to what they do can you tell us a little bit about how you so you became a breeder yourself and then i know from working together that you've built you've built a big network and community of other breeders who who get support from you but i'm guessing many and obviously now with your course and everything they're learning from you as well but tell us about how the kind of community grew and 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 got the momentum as well 
Okay, so I think that, you know, dog, the dog breeding world is a very lonely place. So if there is somewhere that is, you know, open-minded and, and welcoming, you know, breeders tend to flock in droves and, 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 and you know, I'm not going to lie, across the recent time frame, you know, the pandemic, never was it more needed because there were more and more and more novice people jumping on the bandwagon breeding puppies and they had nowhere to go. They had no knowledge. They had no foresight of what they were doing they had no breeding experience whatsoever and they were desperate to 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 find um some support so we have provided support there and hopefully that has made a difference to some of the dogs that were bred um but also the um the, the it's kind of a, people comment and say it's a refreshing community because we're not judgmental around crossbreeds or pedigree. We are happy to support and advise, even if people are not getting it right. The only way that they're going to learn is by giving them information to enable them to get it, you know, correct, you know, and 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 to do better next time. And and we very much have that kind of mentality about it. Whereas I think a lot of the dog breeding communities are very judgmental. Um, they're not supportive at all, and people don't flourish under those kind of conditions you know you need to provide people with an environment in which they can learn and grow if education is is what you're in you know what you're what you're trying to get out there then that needs to be in an environment where people can flex and grow and that might mean you know not getting it right the first time around and that's okay you know we, we get to do better next time so the the image of dog breeders i know we've we've talked about this before but particularly with, um, you know, we see stuff in the news and there's been documentaries and then there's a whole, like, there's lots of opinions around adopt, don't shop. And I love that you talked about, like, having a safe space for dog breeders who are trying to do it, do do right. Um, and I know we talked before about, like, the Corella Deville image of dog breeders. Tell us about, like, what your thoughts are on that and what you're doing to try to educate the public as well as, well, yeah, educate the public in general as well as the people who might might take exception to people breeding dogs. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, definitely you should look for a rescue dog if you have the skills and the environment to house that dog. 100%, you know, before you go buying puppies, you know, you should be looking if there's the dog in need that you have the skills and the environment for, then that is fabulous and go do that good deed you know definitely definitely you should but that isn't for everybody and again you know we should not have judgment around that there are people who don't have the skills for a rescue dog don't have the environment for a rescue dog they might have children they might work part-time they might you know what, what they might have cats whatever it is that doesn't fit rescue dogs you know criteria or rescue centers assessment requirements which is also another big problem um and you know Breed, people don't breed dogs in 12 to 15 years there will be no dogs left so you know it's you know we're, we're at the end of the day we do need to keep breeding dogs um but it just needs to happen in a in an ethical way with health and welfare at the absolute core of of, of every breeding decision that's made um and i think that you know really really getting into that and making sure that people understand the importance of dog breeding, understand the responsibilities that they're taking on so that people are making informed decisions around breeding. That will help with some of the stigma because there is a huge amount of stigma out there. People very much view dog breeding as uh, cruel 
um, that you are profiteering on man's best friend, that you are, you know, some sort of heartless puppy farmer. There is a real, real strong connotations around it. And that's a real shame because there are so many people who are breeding dogs who are absolutely passionate about what they're doing. They are, you know, breeding dogs with ethics, with with welfare. They, they're giving up. I mean, if anybody's bred a litter of puppies who's listening to this, you will be able to corroborate that it is 24-7, seven days a week, very, very stressful, very, very anxious at times, very expensive. Um, and contrary to popular belief, it's not as 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 if you're doing it properly and ethically, it's it's not as profit heavy as people think it is. Um, you know, but the as ever, the few that behave really poorly give the rest of us a bad name. And, you know, uh, I think there are also a section, obviously, there's the, the puppy farming cohort that you would never stand alongside and you would never support and you would absolutely, any animal lover, whether you're a dog lover, cat lover, whatever, you know, you would never want to see puppies being kept in conditions like that and being treated in that way. That goes without saying. But there's also a large cohort of people who mean no harm um you know they 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 they're going to breed a litter of puppies they mean no harm by what they're going to do but they literally have no idea what they're doing and uh, their well-meaning um attempt at breeding a cute litter of puppies is actually fairly damaging because they're breeding dogs together that they that may not have health tested that they um they don't think they need to because mm-hmm. they're not really a breeder and we're only going to have one litter um, they may be um, using a dog that they're familiar with that they walk within the park that doesn't necessarily mean that's the correct choice of partner for that particular um for that particular pairing and you know they then raise puppies not in a bad way you know the puppies will be healthy and clean but they probably won't have had the socialization protocols that they need they won't then have been analyzed and observed for their behaviors and then matched to their long-term homes properly. So there really is something to be said for um, professionalising dog breeding. Professionalising doesn't mean making it commercial. What it means is is raising standards, and there's a very, very real difference between those two things. Um, you know, at Pup Starts, we're not about breeder recruitment. We're about breeder improvement. Mm-hmm. And people are going to continue to breed dogs, whether whether it's liked or not liked. 25 years ago, we were faced with the problem that we're faced with today. Here we are a quarter of a century later. The internet's been (laughs) invented. Mobile phones basically do the washing up now and turn your heating on and off when you're not at home. And still we have rescue centres full of unwanted dogs. So for me, it's about improving the front end and getting getting the messaging out there that breeding dogs is a very, very... Um, well it's a wonderful thing to do but you need to know what you're doing before you do it mm-hmm. um, it is not something to be taken lightly yeah just as you were talking there I was thinking um, you know over the years I've had friends and people who you know people who I know now and they get a dog they fall in love with him or her as we all do and this is you know these are just regular people not people in the pet industry and they'll say you know do I have you know them spayed or neutered because I'd like them to have I'd like them to have babies and and that's that yeah that's, why that's what people, <laughs> why that's how people think isn't it and actually 
this is why I guess you, your mission is so important, isn't it? Because mm. yes, you have got the you you might have professional breeders or they might be kennel club, club registered, but then you've actually got a, a big group of people who just might think it's a good idea to have puppies from their dog and people tag me like I'm going to be impressed and you know I get I get people trying to draw my attention to this stuff and I'm like I'm not impressed by this this is people who are breeding with no knowledge this is people who don't understand genetics who don't understand health who do not understand inheritable disease who do not understand dog behaviour. They are not a dog trainer. They have no qualifications. They have no experience other than owning one dog. That's really scary. You know, just because you can wire a plug doesn't make you an electrician. And it's, it's you know, it's frightening. It's really frightening. And actually, it's it's also a bit insulting because as a, as a professional breeder, you know, you work really hard understanding how the genes work, understanding your lines, the thought and consideration that goes into, shall I breed this dog with that dog? Does the health testing match? Does the temperament match? What kind of puppies am I going to get? I don't mean what colour puppies am I going to get. That's the secondary thing. What what are the puppies going to, what are they going to be like as individuals? Are they going to be good pets? Are they going to be able to live in today's modern society? Are they going to tick the boxes of the people who are coming along to purchase them? So, you know, I have um, an ideal of what it is that I'm trying to breed. I'm very critical in my selection um, to the point where actually there are times when I choose not to breed from a certain animal, despite having spent thousands of pounds on health testing and raising the dog for two years and the time and the investment that goes into all of that. You might, if you're an ethical breeder, actually critically evaluate that dog when it's two years old and say, we're not going to move forward with the breeding program with this particular dog. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got people who, as you've just described, have a pet dog and go, wouldn't it be nice? You know, wouldn't it be nice if Daisy had a litter of puppies? well you know nice for who what what's that that's just a human thing it's an ego thing isn't it it's just yeah. you know, we'd like to have the experience okay or we'd like her to have the experience she's indifferent about the experience she doesn't even know about the experience um and you have no experience to be putting her through that you know um and, and i think that a lot of um poorly bred and raised dogs actually fall into that cohort um, you know, I think there are a large proportion of people who randomly breed a litter of puppies. They don't necessarily breed in volume, but, you know, they randomly breed a litter of puppies when they've got no no experience or credentials in order to be doing that. And I guess one of the things about what you do is, is actually, in a way, capturing those people because... They really need your, that they are the people who really do need to know what you're talking about. And then about, they're, they're the bulk of the people that are on the Facebook groups crying yeah. out for support and advice. Yeah. And obviously, we've got a range of qualifications. Some of them are just, you know, CPD courses that they can self pace and do at home to give them the support they need. Most of the time, it's too late. Their dog's already pregnant. Their dog's pregnant and they're freaking out. Oh my God, she's going to have a litter of puppies and we don't know what to do. And it's like, wow what did you think was going to happen? The stalk doesn't deliver them down the chimney. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to be a canine midwife, <laughs> you know, and it's going to be messy and some might die and she might die and you need a vet to help you and it can be really frightening and it's definitely going to happen at the most inconvenient time, probably at three o'clock in the morning. 
Um, and, you know, yes to all of that stuff, but they don't consider any of that piece. And they realise she's pregnant and it gets closer and closer to the day, that the due date, and they're on social media freaking out because they don't know what to do. They don't know how to help her. They don't know what they should be expecting. Um and and so they turn to people on on social media groups for advice, um, and people are now recommending, you know, the courses, which is fantastic because it just means, you know, ideally they would be doing the course before they even considered mating a dog. You know, ideally they would have the education in place beforehand, um, but nonetheless, if we can get the education in there and get people the support they need when they are you know expecting a litter of puppies and they're then going to have to raise those puppies and then place them in their long-term homes if you know if nothing else if we can get the information in at that point it is it is very valuable for the puppies and can really help to make a difference to their lives long term have you seen changes over the last few years because we've had the puppy boom and the pandemic obviously haven't we and huge demand for puppies what kind of things have you seen over the last few years Ooh, lots and lots and lots of different things that make me very sad most of the time. Um, lots of people jumping on the bandwagon when they, again, have no knowledge or, or, or experience of, of dog breeding. I think I've seen, and again, for me, so much of it is about the human condition. You know, we're all stuck at home and we're all feeling very sad about that. So what we're going to do is we're going to get a dog to sort that out. And now what I'm seeing is we can all go out again now. Um, so we're all right. Thanks ever so much. We don't want the dog now. <laughs> and it's just, you know, the whole thing is human led. They're being bred indiscriminately in the first instance. And then the people that they're sold to aren't resolute enough to stick by the, 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 the commitment that they made. And, that, you know, we just let them down all of the time. So, so much of what I see really makes me feel very very sad because they're supposed to be man's best friend and you wouldn't do that to your best friend when it comes to working with the people who are in your programs and the breeders who are in your world how do i guess it's a it's a part of what you do and i know that there will be so this is feels like a bit of a silly question but is there a way of helping them navigate that so they can maybe you know when they have potential owners coming to them they can they've got because the breeders got the responsibility as well as the prospective pet parent haven't they yeah definitely so we've goes to the right place yeah yeah definitely i mean we've got lots of programs that cover that we've got a profiling um uh, course a cpd accredited course that means that you know you get to learn how to observe your puppies properly so that you can build a profile around your puppy and then um, it gives you advice on the kind of questions that you need to be asking people so that you can build up an idea of what that person's lifestyle is and then you can match that puppy to that person um, we give breeders lots of advice and coaching around not being customer led around the decision making process of which puppy that they're going to have around actually you know it isn't around I want a brown one or I want a pink one with blue spots. It's around, I want the one that is the most aligned to my dog owning expectations. Um, and we've actually created a free program called the Puppy Pie for dog breeders to give out or, and pet professionals to give out to people if they're considering 
um, purchasing a puppy at any point, they get to walk through this program. Then it talks about the breed types. It talks about where the the breeds have have come from, how they've been developed, what they were originally bred for, the kind of traits and behaviours that those owners are likely to live with. And it leads the um, potential puppy parents, the owners, through a questionnaire that really helps them deep dive into what they want out of pet ownership so that they can kind of try to align the two and that they can really think about what they want, think about what the dog is likely to grow into and work out a better match from there. And then obviously take that information to the breeder and then that gets broken down even further when the breeder can then evaluate the puppies that are in front of them and observe the puppies' responses to you know the world around them and have that profile on the individual puppy and then you take that forward. And if the breeder's really good, you actually get um, a profiling document with your puppy that you then get to take to your trainer so that we have this consistent messaging all the way through where the owner understands the dog's breed and its likely temperament and behavioural traits. And then you've got the individual puppies breakdown from the breeder of what that puppy's like. And that all of that information goes to the owner and the and the trainer for, for you know, continuity of, of information. And that can only be in the best interest of the puppy. So there's so much that you work with from the working out whether the, the breeder is, you know, right to be breeding, the pet, the pet health, the responsible pet ownership, or so many different things going on. I imagine it must be quite hard because I know obviously we've worked together and I know before we, we met each other, you've worked and you've worked with lots of experts over lots of experts over the years helping get the word out. Um and I can imagine it's there's just so much to cover really, isn't there? So can you tell us about like the kind of things that you do to get the word out there about pop starts and, and what works and what yeah, what kind of things you've done that have been effective in getting your message out there and also telling people that this education's out there as well, if you know if that's if that's what they want. It's it's really funny you should say that because I'm forever getting told off. So I have some support with the business now. I've got um, a lady that helps me with my socials um, and I've got a lady that helps me with my copywriting because, as you say, there is so much information to get out there to people. It's, it's not a job that one person alone can do. Um, and one of the complaints that they both have is slow down there's so much that you want us to do slow down and I'm like yeah because there's so much we've got to tell people because it's so important that they know all of it because all of it is important you know it's not just a little bit here and a little bit there and I can dabble a little bit with that and dabble a little bit with this you, you have to be you know invested immersed you have to be living in it every single step. And, you know, how we get that information across is, is in our social media groups. We use the platforms to provide free information. We've got freebies um, that are available on our website for people to download. Um, and we've kind of staged our freebies for every step of a kind of breeder journey to try to get people into into the the swing of education and learning uh, we offer free workshops and we annually have a national dog breeder convention which we run in november alongside national dog breeder day which is a day where we celebrate all things wonderful about ethical dog breeding because there's a lot to celebrate instead of um, bad mouth there's a lot to celebrate 
And during that week, we, you know, lots and lots of free information, podcasts going out every day, live guest speakers every evening. And we kind of utilise that space to really get some important information out there and then invite people to join our communities and and keep up the good work. Mm -hmm. So this podcast will be going out just before your uh, Dog Breeder Convention and your Dog Breeder Day as well in November. So I will put all the links if anyone's listening or if you know somebody who it might benefit you can go and find out more about Rebecca and, and all of the work that she's doing. Um, the other thing that you've done over the last few years as well with everything with Pup Starts is, you know, you are, you yourself are, a, you know, you've got your personal profile that you you want to raise as well as a as somebody who really is making a difference in the industry um, and trying to improve standards and, and all of the fantastic work that you do. So tell us a little bit about that and what kind of things um, you've done to raise your own profile. Well, I worked with you for a start off <laughs> and that really made a massive difference. Um, a huge difference actually pointed me in the right direction um, and very much keep me on track on a regular basis when I'm going off going, oh, I've had this idea and oh, I've had this idea. And you're like, no, concentrate on this idea. <laughs> so um, very much your support um, has, has, has helped me greatly. But I think that, you know, if you are getting a message out there that is really valuable and if you are somebody who is trying to make a difference that is 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 not purely I'm not trying to promote a business I'm trying to get people to buy into animal welfare and you know it isn't just about running my business the business almost is a secondary thing I am just very passionate about making things better for dogs and I think that I I think that comes across I think it's not all sell 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 all the time um it's i think you know in in this day and age i think people get bored of constantly being sold at i mean you know i'm opening up my email account now and on the top line of my emails i've got an advert which i find really offensive so uh, you know i get sick of being sold at continuously i think people want as you say you know great great explanation safe space to be able to 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 talk and i think that from the back of that people will want to buy the courses people will want to be involved in the community I think as well you know when you're talking about raising profile you know you need to be brave you need to you know stick your brave pants on what I talk about is very contentious there are a lot of people in the world who really wouldn't want to have a conversation with me because they believe that I'm promoting dog breeding they don't really know what I do so they have a misconception around that Um, and, and again lots of judgment around it so I've really had to take a deep breath and really consider how important it is to me to get the message out there because I know at times I am going to get shot down in flames but it is important enough to me that I am prepared to stick my head above the parapet and you know you have to get out there with press releases you have to be prepared to talk to people you have to be prepared to touch on subjects that are a bit electric you know subjects that make people wince because if we're really going to make change, making change is not about being in a space where you're comfortable, far from it. It's about going somewhere that is uncomfortable. That's why people don't want to change. So, you know, you kind of have to frequent places that you may not want to and talk to people that you might not necessarily feel that easy talking talking to. Um, and I think that if what you're doing is genuine and valid and people can feel that from you, they can feel your passion, it kind of snowballs and people, you know, people see the value, you know, see the value in what you're doing. 
Um, and, and, I, and I think, you know, you've got to show up. You've got yeah. to be present. You've got to show up. You've got to be there. You've got to be doing the work. You can't be sitting at home. If, you know, if anybody's listening and they're trying to build a business and, you know, how do I build my authority? How do I, you know, how do I improve things, reach more people? And Well, you're not going to do that by, you know, crying into your coffee at home. You have got to put your boots on mm-hmm. and go to work day in, day out, even if it isn't bringing the pennies in, you know, which is what I do, you know. Yeah. Um, Pup Starts is never going to make me a millionaire but it will make a million puppies better off for it. And that's where my, that's my goal. So um, I think getting out there and, and I also think um, for me, the continue the continued um, personal development. So I'm about to start a level six qualification in behavior because every day is a school day. You never stop learning about your topic. I think it's inspiring to people who follow you and look at you if you are seen to be continually learning and developing and almost an admission of, yeah, I'm an expert, but I'm never going to stop learning. An expert doesn't mean that's it, I've learned it all. An expert is somebody who inspires people to keep growing and keep learning. Um, uh, You know, uh, uh, somebody said, what did somebody say to me the other day? A boss is somebody that tells you how to go to work. A leader is somebody who gives you the tools and helps you do the job. And that's the difference, I think, for me. You know, um, we can sit on pedestals and pass opinion, but you've got to be walking it and and doing it and standing alongside your your community. And that involves standing up and cracking on. Yeah. And that passion, like, right from the first time that we spoke, like, over a year ago now, like, what you do when you've been talking about your dog your your dog breeder conference and the other work that you do whether it's a magazine column or a tv or a radio interview it's always it's not about you know my you know your courses it's always about animal welfare you know health around you know health around breeding puppies health around mum you know animal animal mums health around you know female mm-hmm. dogs yeah. like other stuff i read that you write is it's it's not about sales it's about things that you feel really strongly about that you want to share with your community and the wider community as well like your puppy pie article is a really good one because it it articulated really well why we need to have all these components when we're thinking about having a puppy um, and all these things that feed into it so it is it's you you're such a great example because you don't you don't have to do any selling as such because your your mission is so big and strong and important and if people find you and and that resonates with them it it just kind of falls into place doesn't it I know I know I'm not saying like people find you on social media and it's all rosy and it's all like really no 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 it really isn't it really really isn't you know you if you look hard enough you'll find lives of me upset because I've lost a puppy or um you know because a client's not been great or because just having a rough day and the dogs are not well or you know that's life isn't it you know nothing is perfect all of the time um but it's about being real I think as well and and I do think that that is especially for the dog breeding community um having somebody who voices the reality um for them is a is a really important thing because like I say you know too many years I spent with people saying to me, what do you do for a living? And I'd go, I'm a dog breeder and look at my feet. You know, when actually I should have been standing there saying, I'm a dog breeder. I breed your best friends and I make a really good job of it. 
And my dogs are healthy and balanced and resilient and they go on to be little champions. And, you know, they're the dogs of your lifetime. And that's what I do for a living with a great big grin on my face. But because of all the social judgment, we don't. We all go, <clears throat> I breed dogs and look at your feet like you shouldn't be doing it. And it's totally the wrong way around. You know, we should be being applauded for what we do because we are a nation of people who love dogs. Well, they wouldn't be here if we weren't breeding them. Yeah. We just need to get that strong message out about the health and welfare um and 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 keep and keep getting that out there and and keep showing up for the community and and that for me on the back of that courses sell people want to be you know educated people are grateful for the opportunity to be educated they want to be able to be recognized as a professional in their field because they do some really hard work um and you know i think that in itself lends credibility to you know, to pop starts breeders. Absolutely. Okay, Rebecca, it has been amazing chatting to you. And like, whenever I was talking to you, I always learn more. Um, and I love hearing your story. And I think the work that you do is just just remarkable. So thank you so much for talking to me. Uh, what's next for you and pop starts breeders? We've touched very briefly on your conference, but this will be going out ahead of the conference uh, taking place. So tell us about the conference and what's next for you. Okay, so we are going to have lots of really cool guest speakers. We've got Kim Brophy, we've got Isla Fishburne, we've got Trevor Cooper, we've got Beverly Cuddy, Mark Abrahams, we've got Natasha Clark. So we're going to be talking about uterine position, hip dysplasia, dog law, how to make change in the industry, dog ethology. Um, and there's a whole load of podcasts um, also going out on a daily basis from Dorwest Herbs to Fish for Dogs. Anna Webb talking about colostrum. I mean, you name it, we're, we're covering it. And what's really great about this year is that we've got this um, PDR recognition scheme in place, which is essentially CPD. Um, and it means that anybody who joins the convention, whether they're uh, a pet professional or um, a, a breeder or an owner, in fact, because anybody that likes dogs should know where they came from and how they come about and, you know, and the differences and the influences that can have on the dog that they live with. So everybody's welcome. Um, but you get to you get to have a, a CPD, a PDR certificate, which goes on the wall to um, prove your uh, continued uh, development, which is super. And we're, we're really, really excited about that this year. So that's that's kind of next. And then in January, we will be launching. Uh, we launched the level three qualification last year. Um, and we launched the uh, puppy socialization qualification in the summer this year. But from January onwards, I'm very, very proud to say that there will be a diploma um, that is is being launched as of January. So that's that's more news on that to come in the, during the convention. Fabulous. OK, well, Rebecca, I know you're a very busy lady, so I will let you go. But thank you so much for joining me. Um, tell us where people can find out more about you and where is the best place to hang out with you on social media? OK, well, thank you for having me. It's been absolutely wonderful being here. And if anybody um, has heard anything they like and wants to come and find us, we are Pup Starts Breeders across all platforms. Um, and you will find our support groups if you jump onto our page. You'll, you'll find, you know, whether that's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Insta, LinkedIn, you'll find us, Pup Starts Breeders, um, and we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Rebecca, and all the best with the conference as well. Thank you very much, Rachel. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. 
for more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.